0: I uh, read a story last night <clears throat> about a baby bird and a mama bird. The baby bird had been separated from its nest, fallen to the ground, and was struggling, not quite ready to fly. And uh, the mama bird, while still feeding the other birds in the nest, had a routine, a habit. that uh, was observed that the mama bird would, would fly down and check on the baby bird and then bring it a little morsel of food, and the baby bird would take the morsel and then it would flutter and flap its wings and struggle and try while the mama bird went back and flew around and this repeated itself over and over and over again. And I would love to tell you that the story of the baby bird was that it got its wings, it flew and it just went on with a happy life. Except I don't know (laughs) what happened to the baby bird. The story just stopped. We don't know what happened to the mom or the other birds. It just was what it was. And that kind of thing happens all the time. and It actually feels a little bit like our lives sometimes that we just struggle to get off the ground. That we maybe have uh, just every day looking for our next little morsel of provision to get through that day. Some of us feel like we're kind of circling and just doing the same thing over and over and over again. We're just in a routine, in a rut. Some of us uh, have, are keenly aware that there are predators lurking. That we are vulnerable, susceptible. What do we do with this kind of information? What do we do when the outcomes of life are not only not certain, sometimes adversarial? Sometimes things don't go our way. What are we supposed to do with that as Christians? Well, the Israelites had a tool that they used to daily calibrate themselves to the truth of God. The tool was a rhythm of prayer. A rhythm of daily prayer that helps them recenter in the truth of who God is and who they are in God when the things of life were not going the way they planned or when they just didn't know what the outcome was going to be. And there's something we can learn from this daily rhythm of prayer. So I'm going to ask you to turn your Bible to Psalm chapter 5. We're going to look this morning. We're taking a pause on our Genesis sermon series today. We'll pick it back up in a couple of weeks but psalm chapter 5 is an example of a a tool that god's people have used for thousands of years in order to center themselves on who god is and who they are in god psalm chapter 4 we're talking about rhythm is an an evening prayer Uh, every night you go to sleep at some point Unless you're an insomniac, uh, you probably are going to sleep at some point every night. And if you are, then maybe your rhythms are just reversed. But you have a rhythm of sleep and wake. It's the same rhythm that God built into creation. If you remember our study of Genesis chapter 1 that God brings light into darkness, and then from then on, as God creates the sun and the moon, there's a rotation of day and night, day and night. And you and I share in that, that rhythm of sleep and awake, sleep and awake. And when we go to sleep, we really just relinquish all control, not only on our, the outcomes of our lives, but also even on our thoughts, thoughts and our bodies. We become totally vulnerable, totally dependent on God. And here's the cool thing about it is that when we go to sleep, God never does. God continues to work. In fact, someone has said when, when you wake up, the day is already half over and God has already been working and you get to join him in his work. Psalm chapter 4 is all about praying to sleep. Psalm chapter 5 is about praying to wake. If Psalm chapter 4 is sort of a a passive spirituality. Psalm chapter four is an active spirituality. What do we do? How can we live? How should we respond to circumstances that we're not really sure how they're gonna work out? Circumstances we may not know the end of the story. How should we live? Well, Psalm chapter five uh, is really a three-part prayer uh, that you can adapt into your rhythms of life. This is how the Israelites did it. It started with a uh, practice. Then it uh, shows us a posture. And then it leads us to a promise. And so we're gonna cover all three of these this morning as we look at the kind of the structure of Psalm chapter five, what's there for us and how we can apply it to our lives. But start with me in Psalm chapter five, verse one. This is the practice. It says, listen to my words, Lord. Consider my sighing. Pay attention to the sound of my cry, my king and my God, for I pray to you. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I plead my case to you and watch expectantly. This is the practice. This is how a Hebrew person, an Israelite, would have woken up in the morning to center themselves regardless of circumstances, regardless of adversaries. Regardless of the unknowns, I read a great prayer last night uh, a, from a Puritan prayer book called The Valley of Visions. a great, great prayer. I shared it with some people this morning. But uh, the, the line in the prayer about the new year was, I launch my bark into the unknown of this new year, into the great unknown of this new year, with God the Father as my harbor, my bark, that's my boat, right? God the Father as my harbor, and Jesus the Son as my, at my helm, and the Holy Spirit filling my sails. I thought it was a beautiful prayer. We're launching into this unknown. What do we do? How do we? Well, this is what we ought to practice. We can talk to God. This is a beautiful reality that the God who spoke creation into being also longs to listen to to our speech, to our words. He wants us to respond to his word. And so we talk and he listens. This is a practice, a rhythm, daily prayer, morning, centering yourself by talking to God. What do we talk about? Do we have like a prayer list? Do we say a pre-written prayer? What are we supposed to say to God? Uh, what do, you know, where do I start? Well, there's lots of great examples in the scripture for prayer, but this hopefully gives you a good tool. It says, consider my sighing. Another way to translate that word would be groaning. Do you know that God wants to listen to what makes you groan? When you wake up in the morning and you open the newspaper, or if you're my age or younger, you open your phone and you look at the news of the day and you, or maybe you turn on the TV or listen to the radio, And immediately you're hit with things that make you go, oh. And this is not just trying to wake up. This is like, how can the world continue to get this bad? And you groan and you sigh. God cares about those things. So you can start there. Maybe you're at the point in your life when you put your legs off your bed, it takes just about every groaning muscle in your body to get out of that bed, right? God cares about that God listens God's aware the things that turn from sighing to crying the things that grieve you the things that that feel like a a shadow hanging over you these are the things that God wants to hear about from you now a lot of us don't talk to God first in our days a lot of us just get on with our lives Who's the first person you talk to in the morning? Is it an animal? That's not a person. Is it a family member? Is it a social media? Also, not a person. Or is it the God of the universe who's present with you in your pain or in the pain of the world, who is available to you not only to hear, but then also to do something about it? This is the practice of mourning prayer this is how the Israelites did it listen to my words Lord consider my sighing the things that cause me to groan pay attention to the sound of my cry my king and my God for I pray to you now there's three things happening here there's three ways that the Israelites refer to God in this initial morning prayer in this calibration spiritual spiritual calibration tool they say first of all that listen to my words Lord it's the name Yahweh that means God is personal and he's present, he's with us, he's there. It's just recognizing God is here with me. Even as I'm you know, still in my PJs, God is with me, right? So listen to my words, Lord. The things that made me groan and sigh, the things that I, they lead me to tears, God cares about, he wants to hear because not only is he personal, but he's also my king. That he's the one who's in charge of everything. That he's sovereignly over all. That the things that cause me grief, he's certainly in control over. He's not caught off guard by any of them. He knows not only what is happening to us, but he knows what will happen. He knows what he's doing that we are completely unaware of. He is the king over all, and he is my God, my Elohim, the old Hebrew, the original Hebrew name for God, that God is powerful and supreme so whatever causes me grief God is bigger man wouldn't that be a great way to start your day that'd be a great way to start your year thinking about the new year the new season whatever these Israelites were waking up to this every day maybe you're waking up to a new reality this year and you're realizing that you know everything I've longed for for this new year all my hopes and dreams and goals and resolutions are going to be met with the same old problems the news is going to have the same cycle. My body is going to be faced with illness and pains. i got to deal with these same things again. All my hopes and dreams for the new year. I'm waking up to this new reality. What do I do with that? We take it to God. We talk to Him first, recognizing He's personal. He's present. He's the King. He's over it all. He's all powerful. He's bigger. This is good, good news. We can talk to this God And then what we do with that is we turn our cares over to him. So first we recognize what makes me groan, what makes me sigh. God wants to hear about those things. And then as I name those things, I release them to him. To allow him, to trust him, the king, the all-powerful God, to then arbitrate those things. God, the all-powerful one, is in control. I don't have to fix everything. I don't have to fix the world. God, I can partner with him in it, but I am not him. I am not God. I don't have to be the one that the world rests on my shoulders. I can trust that God has it. He's in control. I can turn these things over to him and allow him to arbitrate. Verse three says, In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. God hears you. In the morning, I plead my case to you and watch expectantly. There's a really cool picture happening here in this word picture in the Hebrew. We think of pleading as like I gotta get up and be on my knees and just beg God. And that is an appropriate posture to take before God, but what this word means is less begging and it's more orienting, an arranging, it's where I say, okay God, here is my life and I'm going to arrange it before you in a way that I can offer it to you. In fact, this word plead, which also is translated orient or arrange, is the same word that the priests would use when they arranged a sacrificial offering on an altar. The whole process from bringing in wood for the fire and building the fire all the way to bringing the animal and placing the sacrificial animal on the altar, all of this was an act of pleading. It was an act of arranging, an act of orienting. It was presenting something to God. And so when we say, I plead my case before you, we're not just begging God, but we're actually saying that, God, I'm willing to arrange my life as an offering to you. I'm willing today, in the beginning of my day, to orient myself to you. That everything I think that should happen in my life, I'm willing to let go of and offer it to you. God, would you work in my life? God, would you take these things and do something with what I'm bringing to you? These sighs, these groans. God, would you use me as a partner with you to redeem the world? I'm offering myself. It's also a way that people talked about arranging battle formations. Think about this. You may not have a lot that you're grieving over, that you're groaning over, that you're sighing over, but you may be feeling like God is leading you to something. This is a way that you can orient yourself to him is to say, God, I wanna be used by you. God, I'm gonna present my life to you in a way that says I'm available to you. That's how we start our days. We talk to God first. We turn our cares over to him. We trust him to arbitrate. We arrange our life before him. This is the practice. This is the practice of prayer. The practice, though, always leads to a change in posture. It's how we go about the rest of our day. I uh, just ordered this thing and strapped it on once or twice, but it's a uh, back posture corrector. Uh, ever since I had my back surgery, I'm like kind of uh, just more aware of my posture and especially my phone posture. which just like this. You know that? Even driving, I'm like this. Uh, In watching TV, you know, or like even reading, I'm sitting like this. I'm always just like hunched over like this. And so I'm constantly aware of like my need to just, and I put this strap on, I tighten it down. That makes me really uncomfortable because I'm like walking around like this. But the practice of that is what is going to help me change the way I live, my posture physically, In the world, in all these other things I do, I have to practice it to then make it a reality. Same thing, when we practice prayer in this way, when we talk to God first, we trust him to arbitrate the things of our lives, we turn our cares over to him, we're practicing this posture of coming to God as king. But there's another way, another posture that is possible for you to take toward God. And so what we see in the next four verses, five verses, is a contrast in two ways to live before God. We want to wake up, we want to bring ourselves to God in the morning, and then we have the choice. Verse four through six describes the first choice. This is a possibility. It says, verse four, you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil cannot dwell with you. The boastful cannot stand in your sight. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who tell lies. The Lord abhors violent and treacherous people. This isn't just like a, a get them kind of prayer. This is a Lord, may this not be me kind of prayer. Lord, for the rest of my day, would you help my posture be shaped to where I do not fall into this? Because, God, you don't delight in wickedness. I want to be a, God, a person that makes you delight delights in you. God, I don't want to be evil. Lord, I want to dwell with you. I don't want to be boastful. Uh, God, I I don't want to be in your crosshairs. I want to be with you. I want to be under you. I want to be by you. And this is exemplified in the next set of verses. The next two verses, verse 7 and 8 says, but I enter your house by the abundance of your faithful love. I bow down towards your holy temple in reverential awe of you. Lord, lead me in your righteousness because of my adversaries. Make your way straight before me. This is the posture of a person that practices the rhythm of dependence on God in daily prayer. Someone who does not boast against God, someone who doesn't stand for wickedness, someone who doesn't practice evil, but instead someone who is shaped into something righteous and holy. Think about what this says in verse seven and eight. Starting in verse seven, it says, I enter your house by the abundance of your faithful love. This is a gospel reminder that we need on a daily basis That we don't come to God based on our merit. We don't come to God based on our effort. We don't come to God based on our eloquence. We come to God only, primarily, and only by His faithful love expressed to us through His perfect offering of Jesus Christ. God's love made manifest. God so loved the world, John 3.16 says, that He gave His one and only Son, That whoever would believe in him would not perish but would have eternal life. This is the, the beauty of God's gift to us. His faithful love expressed toward us. And when we enter his house, when we reject evil, when we reject wickedness, when we turn from those things, when we posture ourselves before God, we say every day to ourselves, I am only in this position because of you. It's only because of Jesus that I can stand before God. It's by the abundance of his faithful love. And then when we come before him, our next posture is to bow down. Do you notice the contrast? If you look at verses 4 and 5, it's talking about the boastful. These are the ones that bow up to God. Verse 7 is talking about those who come to God in this rhythm of daily prayer, who calibrate their lives to God and who they are in him, are people who bow down, not bow up. And they bow down in worship, toward his temple, in awe, of who he is. That's an act of vulnerability and trust. It's a way for us to say, okay, God, what I have is yours. Okay, God, I have nothing without you. We enter his house by his love. We bow down before him, and then we ask God to lead us in righteousness. Now, imagine what's happening here. In verse four, it talks about the person that stands up and says, I can do life my own way. I don't need God. I'm fine. And that leads to wickedness. And then ultimately what it says is that God destroys that person. God brings that person down. Contrasted with the one who enters God's house through his faithful love, starts low by bowing down. And then God leads in his righteousness. So God raises up the one who comes to him low. This is how we orient ourselves to Him. It's how we calibrate our lives, not only as we enter a new year, but really on a daily basis. This is a tool for calibrating your life to God. Thinking about your spiritual posture, coming before God in worship and obedience. And then finally in verses 9-12, through the third part of this is a promise. As we, as we practice this daily prayer, it changes our posture, the way we approach our lives. And then we are able to finish every day in this posture because of this promise. Again, there's a contrast here. So the first couple of verses are talking about the negative, And then the second we'll talk about the positive. And so chapter, or verse 9 and 10 say the negative. There's nothing reliable in what they say. Destruction is within them. Their throat is an open grave. They flatter it with their tongues. Punish them, God. Let them fall by their own schemes. Drive them out because of their many crimes, for they rebel against you. This is what life looks like for the person that trusts in themselves. When you wake up in the morning, you don't calibrate your life to God through daily prayer. You're changing your posture to be open to him, beginning low so he raises you up and leads you in his righteousness. If that's not you, this is. There's nothing reliable in what you say. Destruction's within you. Your throat's an open grave. You flatter with your tongue. God will punish. That's the result of trust in self. Contrasted with what happens when you trust God. Here is God's promise to you. Verse 11, Let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them shout for joy forever. May you shelter them. May those who love your name boast about you. For you, Lord, bless the righteous one. You surround him with favor like a shield see the difference. In fact, I think I just want to contrast these for you. If you're looking at verse 9 and 10, contrast it with verse 11 and 12. The one who trusts in self versus the one who trusts in God. If you trust in yourself, you'll find nothing reliable in this life. If you trust in God, you will find a safe and secure and reliable refuge. If you trust in self, destruction is inevitable. If you trust in God, rejoicing is possible. If you trust in yourself, Your throat and your tongue, the things that come out of you is going to lead to death. If you trust in God, the things that come out of you are going to be shouts of joy. you trust in self, you'll find ultimately punishment. If you trust in God, you'll find ultimately shelter. If you trust in self, it'll be self-destructive. If you trust in God, you'll find confidence. If you trust in self, ultimately you'll be driven out. You'll be cursed as we talked about in Genesis Think about Adam and Eve being driven out from the garden. If you trust in God, you'll be blessed. You'll be brought back in. Trust in self is a way of rebellion. Trust in God is a way to be protected. The contrast is clear. The question is, how will you calibrate your life on a daily basis? Will you calibrate yourself yourself With the rhythm of prayer, the rhythm of practicing the presence of God, the reality of God in your life and talking to Him first, trusting Him with the the junk of your life, the cares of this world. Then also changing your posture to be open to what God would want to do, to His way, to following and worship and obedience, and then enjoying His promise, which is, Joy and rejoicing. It doesn't take long to live your life without God and recognize that it doesn't lead to joy, right? But choose God, choose Jesus, and it always leads to joy, always to rejoicing. Think about not just in verses four through six and seven and eight, how the, the boastful stood before God and they were brought down, And then verse 7 and 8, the humble bowed before God and they were raised up. But now think about the audible aspect of this. It's all about words, right? In chapter 5 verse 1, we begin with our words to God. Verses 4 and 6 are words of evil people against God and what God does. Verse 7 and 8 is humility. It's, It's God's word that brings us in. Then verses 9 and 10 are talking about what comes out of you in the form of words. There's nothing reliable in what they say. Their throat's an open grave. And then verse 11 and 12, what comes out of the righteous person, what comes out of the person who submits to God and calibrates their life to Him is joy and rejoicing and shouts of joy. In other words, what's happening here is that when we come to God, you will come to God. You will stand before God. You will live your life before God. And if you live your life loudly against God, He will make you quiet. Verses 4 through 6, if you put them side by side with verses 9 through 10, that's what you would see. God makes the loud quiet. But if we come before God with quiet reverence, with worship, you know, a life of obedience. God makes us loud. Because one day, there will be a day when the loudest noises on this earth will be shouts of joy. Rejoicing in the new creation, in the dwelling with God here on the new earth. This is the end goal of our salvation. This is where God is leading And so this is a tool to daily calibrate our lives to Him. Hopefully it's not just a bunch of information about a psalm. Hopefully it's a rhythm of transformation that you can begin to practice as you daily entrust your life to God. Rhythms are always going to outlive resolutions. And so this isn't a New Year's sermon (laughs) But let me just say that there is an opportunity today and when you wake up in the morning and when you wake up the next morning and when you wake up the next morning to build a rhythm into your life of orienting yourself to God, calibrating yourself to Him, allowing Him to hear what you care about because He cares. Psalm 55, 22, cast your cares on God because He cares for you. And then to change the way you live your day, to take a different posture into the world, to take a posture of worship and obedience on a daily basis that leads you on paths of righteousness, ultimately to enjoy the promise of his blessing. The ultimate reality that one day we will all dwell with Him in a renewed earth, and the loudest sounds won't be the loud people on the news. It won't be the loud people, you know, at the talking about the next election that's coming up. By the way, it's election year, so if, you can, if things are going to get loud, let's just say that. But just remember, God makes, takes the loud he makes them quiet, because one day He'll take the quiet and He'll make us loud, and that will be the resounding sound of eternity, joy, and rejoicing. So that's what you can orient yourself to every day. So Christian in the room, how will you build the rhythm of prayer into your life this year? Daily calibrating prayer. What can you do? I wanna give you just an invitation. Uh, Beginning next Sunday, we're gonna build the rhythm of prayer into our church life. Uh, our church calendar. We've been doing this for several months with all of our Sunday morning volunteers. We've actually been doing this for years with our praise and worship team. But on Sunday mornings, starting next week, we just wanna open this up to anybody in our church that wants to practice the rhythm of prayer corporately as a church. And so at 8.30 in the morning, uh, starting next Sunday, we're gonna have a time of intentional prayer, We're going to be praying for the needs of our church. We're going to be praying for the needs of our community and our world. We're going to be praying for our own hearts. We're going to be asking God to bring salvation uh, through the ministry of our church. We're going to be praying for all kinds of things. There's already a plan written out for the next year. of The things we're going to be praying for, Lord willing, each Sunday. And so I just want to invite you. Anybody's welcome to come. Uh, We take a posture of prayer and we just pray for about 15 minutes. So it's, it's not drawn out. It's not long. It's not uncomfortable. 15 minutes uh, of intentional prayer and then we're ready to welcome people for connect groups at nine o'clock. So uh, we just want you to be invited to that. That is maybe one way that you can build this into your life. But what would it look like as you wake up every day? I love how uh, Joe Parnell, uh, Joe didn't know I was gonna say this and I hope he'll forgive me for this. When Joe wakes up in the morning, he says, good morning, Lord. I love that. Because God ought to be the first one we're talking to every day. That's how we calibrate our lives to him to ultimately experience his promises in his life. So there's an invitation for you. Rhythm, build the rhythm. It's going to be, it's going to have outlast your resolution for sure. Can I just give a practical application to this as well? Because social media is one of the loudest voices in our culture. And we're going into an election year, like I noticed. And can I just say that things are going to get loud on social media and you're going to have the temptation to bow up at things that might offend you and to clap back, so to speak, at what people are saying online about whatever it is you think or feel, about politics especially. Can I just say, before you respond, follow this rhythm. Talk to God first. Things that make you grieve, things that make you sigh, things that make you groan, things that make you face palm. Talk to God about those things. Turn them over to him. Trust that he will arbitrate ultimately all things and then respond how he leads. That's just a practical, very practical application for you as you go into 2024 and things are gonna get a little hot. All right, just follow this rhythm. Build it into your life as a daily practice. If you're not a Christian, the only way to experience the ultimate reward, the rejoicing, the shouts of joy that last forever, is to enter God's house by his faithful love. Verse seven, come to God through Jesus Christ. He gave Jesus for you as the way that you can be reconnected to God for eternity, to have your sins forgiven because of his death on the cross and resurrection. To have new life, eternal. And to follow him in worship and obedience. To experience fullness in your life. The only way to a whole and full and eternal life is through Jesus. So if you need to make that step today, to put faith in Jesus. To trust him for salvation. To see your life change forever. We want to help you do that. In fact, I want to lead us in a prayer today. And after we pray, we're going to have a song to close our time out. If you'd like to respond to Jesus today, to put faith in him, just come find me right after we dismiss today. I would love to help you take that step. For those of us who just need to take a moment and center like the Israelites in Psalm 5, you can follow this rhythm even while we have a response song today to talk to God about what pains you. Talk to God about what grieves you. Talk to God about what makes you sigh and then release it. Turn it over to him. Trust him to arbitrate. Change your posture for the rest of the day. Enjoy the promises of God. Let's pray. God, you are uh, so good to be present and listening to us. I think about Psalm 19. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O oh God, my rock and my redeemer. As we come to you with words, God, we know that they are incomplete. They're inadequate. Yet you listen. Yet you care. So, God, would you receive our prayer today? Would you make your presence known in our lives? God, help us stand up tall to follow you in obedience, in paths of righteousness. God, help us to enjoy the promise of joy and blessing and rejoicing that comes by knowing you and walking with you. May the rhythm of daily prayer change us into people of prayer. Change us into people of joy as we long for your return when you make all things new again. Meet us here in this moment. Meet us here in this year. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.